Would you open your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Now, last week I did a nice thorough review. This week, please allow me to just move into the material because the best part is the last part, and it really doesn't work unless we get that in there. Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after having done everything to stand... Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Everybody say, put on my caliga. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and I always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me that I, may, that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now Paul begins to teach us here that there are seasons, days of evil, seasons of darkness. There are many names the scriptures give to it. Whereas believers, we have to learn to take a stand. So we've been studying for many months now. Everybody say, take a stand. No place does the Bible teach us to retreat. We're never taught to back up and run away. We don't have a backup gear. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. I, I didn't hear you. We're not a people who back up and say, well, Bahala, now I guess I'll just never see those dreams fulfilled. We are people that put on our caliga. We put on our, our lifestyle of evangelism. We put on our battle boots, and we take our stand, and we move forward into the destinies that God has for our lives. So we've learned about putting on the full armor of God, not just a piece of it, but all of it. We've talked about the belt of truth. We spent many weeks on the, uh, the breastplate of righteousness. We've talked about the, the shield of faith. We've talked about putting on our caliga, this lifestyle of evangelism. And I want to look at two more today at the same time. I want to read you Young's translation of verse 17 and 18. And the helmet of salvation... And the sword of the Spirit, which is the saying of God, the rhema, the word of God. Through all prayer and supplication, praying at all times in the Spirit. And in regard to this same, watching in all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I want us to get into receiving the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Everybody say receiving. Now we're going to get into that concept later on in our last point. But let's start today with the helmet of salvation. The average Roman soldier who was out on the front lines looks something like this. You can see his shield of faith. You can see his sword. You can see his uh, belt of truth. You can see his breastplate. But I want you to notice today his helmet. Now, this is the, the helmet of an everyday soldier. The next picture would be what you see in the movies. It would be more what is used for uh, the officers who rode on the horses, all right? 
It's a much lighter weight. It doesn't have as much protection in the back. They're not dealing with hand-to-hand -hand combat on the, front on the front lines. But this, the next slide, this again highlights the helmet of salvation that all the people would be very aware of when Paul uses this phrase. I want you to notice the back flange that comes off of it that protects you from arrows coming down from above that aren't going to hit you in the back of the neck or the top of your shoulders. I want you to notice the, the, the cheek guards that come down that are made out of metal and they tie at the bottom. I want you to notice again a flange across the front at the forehead. And it starts about a little thicker, it starts about an inch wide, and it comes down to very narrow at the end because its purpose was when it was raining very heavily, the water would stop before it got into your face and get carried back toward the back of your ears so that you never lost sight. You, you never were, were confused because of a loss of sight in a battle. But notice how, again, there's a raised rise portion, a flange that comes out over the ear to protect the ear, but the ears are open so that you can hear the instructions in the battlefield. The front of the face is open, though the cheeks come down right against your cheeks so that you can see well, your mouth is open, your nose is open to breathe well, and it's padded inside. Everybody say padded. Now, the purpose of a helmet was to give a soldier confidence or assurance in battle. He didn't have to worry about arrows coming down and hitting him in the top of the head. If it did, it would just ding him and he'd go, whoa, what was that? But he's got padding there and it would just be a little ding. He wasn't worried about somebody taking a spear and just swinging it at him. Okay, he's going to get a knock upside the head and okay, he's going to feel the knock upside the head, but it's not going to injure him. Even a sword swung at him would not penetrate the steel of this helmet. Now, he'd get his bell rung, so to speak. He'd get, he'd get his head knocked around a little bit, but it's not going to injure him permanently. He's going to be like boxing gloves or something. He's got this beautiful padded helmet on. Now, this armor is what made these Roman soldiers so victorious and conquered the world in those days because things like this helmet kept these soldiers confident and assured and aggressive. Everybody say aggressive because of their confidence. Now, it's hard to explain just how a helmet gives you confidence unless you've ever played American football. Now, I told you I never played basketball much as a kid growing up, but I did play football. And it would amaze you how a young man acts differently when he puts on his helmet and his face guard, and he's got it buckled up underneath, and he's got on his pads. It would amaze you how different a young man acts. When we were out there just practicing on the field, throwing balls around or running plays, we did not have on our helmets. You were more careful. Everybody say, careful. You're always protective of your head. Is that correct? Is that correct? But now you put a helmet on a young man in high school, he's like a crazy weapon. We would run down the field and the guy would be taking the kickoff back. He'd be running back at us and our goal was to launch ourselves and spear him with our heads. You say, why would anybody be so crazy? You're not going to get hurt. you got a helmet on. Everybody said, got a helmet on. Coaches would teach you to trust your helmet because, you know, most of us hadn't been wearing helmets all our life. Coaches would teach you to trust your helmet. They'd walk up and just whack you upside the head and then just laugh at you. And you learn you don't need to be afraid. You've got a helmet on. 
Everybody said, I've got a helmet on. Now, this helmet is the helmet of salvation. It is the assurance, it is the confidence of our salvation. Everybody say, the confidence of my walk with God. It is God's helmet. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. This is God's helmet that he put on. It is this beautiful assurance of salvation. That when you walk into spiritual battle, you're not questioning, is this Christianity real? Is my walk with God real? Is this just some ancient 2,000-year-old mythology from ancient Judaism, and none of this is real, and, and God's not real, and I'm not really saved? None of that question begins to come into your mind in the middle of spiritual battle because you have on the helmet of salvation. Everybody say, my thoughts and my attitudes are guarded. They're guarded by this beautiful assurance of salvation that you receive. Now, you will never be victorious in spiritual battle. You, you will never be victorious and thrive in the seasons like we're living in right now without this helmet of salvation constantly giving you the assurance and constantly giving you the confidence of your salvation. Do you remember Jesus in Luke chapter 4, verse 3 and verse 9? when he was on the battlefield of temptation with Satan in the wilderness. What did Satan look at him and say? If you are the Son of God. Everybody say, if. Always temptation begins with insecurity. Even hanging on the cross, the same words came to him again through people. If you are the Son of God, you, you come down from the cross and we will believe in you. In life, in the seasons of darkness, in the, in the days when evil reigns, there's going to be so much question. This is why there's a, usually a falling away when this takes place. Because there's so much questions in people's minds about is this salvation real? Is God real? Have we really been adopted into the family of God? Am I really a child of God? Second, First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 5 verse 8. Paul said, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. The what? The hope, the confident expectation of future good, of salvation. We know that we have been saved. Everybody shout, I'm saved. Shout it really loud. Shout it again. We know that we have been saved. We know that we are being saved. God is perfecting the good work he began within our lives. And we know that we shall be saved. There will be a completion, a totality, a fulfillment of all of our salvation in the rapture. When we rise to meet him in the air and we, we see him face to face and we become like him for we see him. Everybody say, I'm changed. There will be no more maturity necessary. There will be no more spiritual growth necessary. When we rise up in the rapture, it's all finished. Everybody say, I'm complete. Say it again. But we know. This is why Paul calls the rapture the blessed hope. 
We know these confident things about our future of our salvation. We know that God loves us. We know that God is working within us. We know that we are growing in God day by day. We know that we're going to go up in the rapture. We know that we have heaven as our future and our eternal home. And everybody said? Now that confidence, that confidence, that assurance of salvation, that hope of salvation is what guards our minds, it's what guards our thoughts, it's what guards our perceptions. In this day in which a season of darkness prevails and, and people are falling away by the groves and the love of many is growing cold, putting on that helmet or receiving that helmet of salvation that belongs to God, given to us and placed upon us, all of a sudden we, there's a lot of things we just don't even begin to question. Now we're going to get back into this helmet of salvation at the end. The second piece of armor here is the only offensive weapon that we have. Everybody say, it's all we have. Now, it's not a problem because Satan has none. Demons have none. Colossians teaches us that at the cross, Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. They have no weapons. So believe me, the sword is enough. Everybody say, the sword is enough. So he says, now receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of of God. Now, the sword of the Spirit here, which is the Word of God, it's an interesting word that is used. The word that is used here for word is not logos, it's rhema. Everybody say logos and rhema. Logos, L-O-G-O-S, literally means like the general Word of God. Rhema, R-H-E-M-A, means a specific spoken word of God. Everybody say, spoken to us. Let me explain it to you this way. Best illustration I ever heard of it. The Logos is like a well of water. The Rhema is God taking a glass of water from the well and giving it to you directly. Now, it's the same water. The Logos and the Rhema will never disagree with each other. The Logos and the Rhema, are, the Rhema is never taken out of context from the Logos. It doesn't mean something differently because, well, you know, for me, in my opinion, no, it means what it means in the context. It's not some, well, you know, God has called me to be the next, you know, whatever. Okay, it's, it's God in context takes a passage of Scripture and burns it into your heart. Everybody say, it makes it real in me. Say it again. Now again, it never disagrees with anything else in the scripture. The logos and the rhema are always in complete agreement with each other. It's not taking things out of context. It's not messing around with the Bible or making it say something it doesn't say. But there is a time in our lives, and all of us have experienced that at some point in our life, when God takes a passage of Scripture as you're reading your Bible and your devotions or maybe when you're just sitting down someplace and you're, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit brings to your remembrance a passage of Scripture in the Bible and the Holy Spirit burns that deep into your heart. Everybody say, makes it real. Everybody say, makes it real. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It does someone come on. Now, the result of that is faith. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. But the Greek word there is rhema. What's the Greek word? What's the Greek word? So 
Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the rhema. There's a lot of people who read their Bibles, but they have no faith. They've got a lot of head knowledge, but they have no faith. Because they don't hang out with God, as we'll see later on, and let God give them rhema. Everybody say, the, the specific word. God takes a glass of water. God takes some verses from the scripture. And he serves it to you and says, I want you to get this. And he begins to apply it to your life. And faith begins to explode in your heart. And a miracle begins to happen. And progress begins to happen. Because faith has flowed into your heart because of the rhema. Because of the what? Now, this sword of the Spirit is the sword of Messiah. Revelation chapter 19, verse 15. From his mouth, referring to at the battle of Armageddon. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. You know, we talk about the great armies of heaven coming with Jesus at the battle of Armageddon, but none of us are going to fight. I'm sorry. We don't need to fight. He speaks the word, and his enemies are broken and destroyed. Everybody say, he just speaks the word. Now, you have to understand, this sword of the Spirit is a very, very powerful, powerful spiritual weapon. Hebrews 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of the joints and the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We're, we're not dealing with some dull piece of junk. The sword of the spirit, this offensive weapon that the Holy Spirit gives us, is the sword of the spirit, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces between the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. Think about Jesus. Again, going back to the temptation in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Each time Satan came to him and brought temptation. Did Jesus have a debate with him? Did Jesus argue theology with him? What did Jesus do? Jesus said, it is written. And that ended that subject. Satan comes back with another temptation. Jesus said, it is written. Satan comes back with another temptation. Jesus says, it is written. And Satan departs until the opportune time. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to see here. In, this, in the field of spiritual battle and temptation that's going on these days, we're going to overcome it by the word. Everybody say, by the word. Psalms 119 verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 1 John 2 verse 14. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you young men because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now, let me apply this to our lives for a minute. You have to learn to answer temptation. Everybody say, never ignore. Say it again. Never ignore temptation. When Satan came and brought temptation to Jesus, Jesus didn't just say, I don't want to talk to you. Leave me alone. Jesus didn't ignore him. Jesus took out the sword. It is written. Did you hear what I just said? 
Jesus did not ignore him. Jesus took out the sword and said, it is written. Too many Christians, you, you play with temptation. And you have to stop playing with it and stop ignoring it. It's not going to go away if you ignore it. A temptation is just a thought that comes into your mind. Everybody say a thought. The devil brings a thought into your mind. Now, if you let that thought stay there and grow, it later becomes what Paul calls a stronghold. It becomes a what? Or while it's small, you take out the sword and go, it is written, and it's done with. You have to learn to answer temptation with the word. Everybody say, answer temptation. Ulitanathan, answer temptation with the word. I don't care what kind of a temptation there is, there is a passage of Scripture in the Bible that you can answer it with. And as that Scripture answers it, that temptation, the power of that temptation is broken by the sharp double-edged sword of the Spirit. And everybody said? Now let's get to the fun part. Look back at me with verse 17 and 18. Young's translation. And the helmet of salvation receive, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the saying, the rhema of God. Through all prayer and supplication and praying at all times in the Spirit. Now, there's two different Greek words here that are used for take up in the English Standard Version. When Paul says, take up the shield of faith, he uses the Greek word analambano. Everybody say analambano. Spell it just like it sounds. A-N-A-L-A-M-B-A-N-O. That means to pick up and carry with you. But when Paul says take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, he uses the Greek word dekomai. D-E-C-H-O-M-A-I. Everybody say dekomai. That means to receive or accept. Everybody say, receive or accept. Unlike the other parts of the armor, this is something we receive. Everybody say, I receive. We receive the assurance of salvation. We receive the sword of the Spirit. We receive the helmet that God wore in Isaiah. We receive the sword that belongs to the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit's sword, which is the rhema of God. We receive God's helmet. We receive the sword that belongs to the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how do we receive it? Verse 18, Young's translation. Through all prayer and supplication, praying at all times in the Spirit. You want to know how you receive the assurance or confidence of salvation, it's in your prayer life. In your what? When people come to me and they begin to say, Pastor, I'm really wondering if all of this is real, and you know, is, is this salvation real, and is the gospel real? I said, you just told me you're not praying much. You just told me you don't have a prayer life. When these big-name Christian artists stand up and do their latest... I've fallen away from the faith. I don't believe this is real anymore. They're just telling me it's been a long time since they prayed. 
When you have a prayer life, you walk in the assurance of that salvation relationship. Everybody say, salvation relationship. Now think with me. Before lockdown, many of you husbands and wives were so busy with your different careers, and you'd come home at night, and you'd focus then on the children, getting dinner, helping them with their homework, getting them ready for bed, and then when they were finally done, then you would pass out, and you really didn't talk to each other much. It wasn't like your courtship days where you would talk for hours and hours and hours and get in trouble with your parents because you were talking to your boyfriend or your girlfriend so much. Now you hardly, if you talk, you, you talk about the kids. But during COVID-19, moms and dads, you've discovered how much you love each other. Amen? Amen? Oh, this is wonderful. There's an assurance of relationship, but it came from time together. It came from what? It came from what? Now, if you understand that illustration, multiply it by infinity. Your assurance of salvation, your assurance that you have been adopted into the family of God, your assurance and all of God's love for you and God's care for you, all of that hope of salvation flows in a prayer life. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Hello? You got to forgive me. I'm used to preaching to the cars, and the cars are always honking at me. So somebody needs to bring some horns and honk them at me. I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Everybody say, we need to pray more. Say it again. The same with the sword of the Spirit. You receive that rhema. You receive that quickened word of God in your prayer life. You don't receive that quickened word of God watching Eat Bulaga. I don't know what I will ever do for an illustration if they ever take that show off the air. It's been on the air for 40 plus years. You are not going to receive the rhema playing, what's the name of that silly game? What? Mobile, mobile legends. Rather than playing with demons, don't you think it's about time to defeat a few demons? Thank you for your enthusiasm. You're going to receive the rhema in your prayer life. In your what? Now, take it one step farther. Praying all kinds of prayers and supplication. We're going to get more into that next week, Lord willing. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Everybody say praying in tongues. No wonder Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. He says, listen, praying at all times in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, Paul said, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, that's praying in tongues. He said, but I will also pray with my mind also, that's praying with the understanding. He said, I will sing praise with my spirit, that's singing in tongues. He said, and I will sing with my mind also. That's singing with the understanding. As you pray all kinds of prayers, and as you pray 
at all times in the Spirit. Everybody say, every day I should pray in the Holy Ghost. Say it again. Every day you should be praying in tongues. Every prayer you pray, maybe you should have a season of it in tongues. As we pray at all times in the Spirit, that's where we receive this helmet of salvation. And that's where we receive the sword of the Spirit, the rhema, the, the quickened Word of God to us. It's no wonder the devil doesn't want people to speak in tongues. It's no wonder the devil wants to take tongues out of churches. This is where the confidence of salvation comes from. This is where the helmet of salvation comes from. This is where the sword of the Spirit that defeats him every time comes from. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray more in the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. I, I didn't hear you. Now, if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear me. You want to live a victorious Christian life. You need to pray in the Holy Ghost. You need to spend time in prayer. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. Ah, there's that rhema. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Stand with me, please. Everybody say, I need to pray more. You need to pray more. I want you just to lift your hands before the Lord right now and just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Tonight, when you go home, beloved, 
Spend some time in prayer before you go to bed. Got to remember, I'm used to the car service now. Spend some time in prayer before you go to bed. Honk, honk. <laughs> that would be something you would do. Everybody say, spend some time in prayer. Spend some time praying in the Holy Ghost. When you get up in the morning and you read your Bible, remember Paul said, when we pray in tongues, the mind is unfruitful. That's why we need to pray with the understanding also. But you don't need your mind. Oftentimes you'll see me reading my Bible, praying in tongues while I'm highlighting and underlining because the Holy Spirit is praying through me. Please spend time in prayer. Now I know this lockdown thing has been hard. But maybe we just need to take this lockdown thing and stick it back in the devil's face, all right? I mean, the devil meant it to crush us and destroy us. Now let's turn this into prayer warriors in the name of Jesus. Let's get our praying going. Everybody say, get my praying going. Get my praying going. Say it again, please. Get my praying going. Some of you seniors listening to me and young people listening to me, you've been watching on the internet. Man, I know you're locked down. Man, I know it's been 200 days and you are so frustrated you'd like to scream and pull your hair out and be called Bo like me. But why not turn this thing around? Put away the TV, put away the video games and just begin to focus on God. Just begin to pray. You say, well, you know, pastor, it's a little hard at first. I know, it's a little awkward. Maybe start with five minutes and then take it to 10 minutes, and then take it to 15 minutes, and then take it to 30 minutes, and then take it to an hour. It's easy to pray longer and spend a whole hour with him if you learn to arrange your prayer requests. The psalmist said, I laid out my requests before him. And, and the Hebrew word there means like to make an orderly arrangement. So make a few notes of the things that you want to pray for. And just begin to spend time in prayer. And everybody said... And everybody said, we're going to pray more. Yes. Amen. Campus pastors, would you come?